Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control from Happy Mammoth. Estro Control contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including Estro Control. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and look, man, it's it's the holiday season. I hope that you are finding solace, peace, um, and some level of rest as you slow down and really prepare for the next year. Uh, you know, there's no day that's promised, and even now, right, when you think about, like, the state of this economy and you think about all these layoffs that are happening in tech, by the way, if you haven't checked out our latest article, research series, in partnership with Blind, you need to check it out because we did some incredible research and data-driven storytelling, um, really talking about the latest round of layoffs between Meta and Amazon and Twitter, as well as a few other tech brands, but um, some really dynamic storytelling and just insights there. So shout out to our research team, our head of research and analytics, Mike Schmidt, and um, and shout out to uh, shout out to me, shoot, because. Living Corporate is doing well. I'm really appreciative um, of just all that we're doing. And shout out to y'all for supporting. But if you haven't checked out the article, make sure you do that. Links in the show notes. If you go to the homepage right now, it's one of the headlines. So just make sure you just click it or click the link in the show notes. Either way, you know what I'm saying? But if you, I want y'all to check it out. Um, anyway, that's an aside. The point is, is that a lot of conversations happening right now about career, what folks are looking for, um, and just how to really weather the the storm that people are uh, prognosticating is on the way. And there's a lot of questions in this moment, you know, when, especially when it's not in vogue, what does equitable talent strategy look like? What does it really mean to recruit and target key talent in really strategic ways? Uh, but but more so in ways that just don't leave black and brown folks holding the bag. I mean, you know, when you look right now, we haven't done any firm studies on it. But anecdotally, right, if you pull looking at conversations on Fishbowl or looking at conversations on Blind or you look and just see who's making the resignation announcements on LinkedIn or if you were to just kind of comb through that, you'd see that black and brown people are disproportionately impacted by that there's a disparate level of impact when it comes to these layoffs and you know i'm not going to speak to uh levels of intentionality with that i'm only going to say that it's real and so it bears investigation and it bears conversation so i'm really excited about 
um, our guest today, Dennis Quartermain, um, who is a who's a leader at Ready Set. Uh, for those who don't know, Ready Set is definitely a friend of Living Corporate. Shout out to Yvonne, Dr. John Paul, all y'all over there. Really appreciate y'all. Um, and yeah, you know, Dennis and I, we have a really good conversation. So shout out to DQ. Um, so we're going to go ahead and slide into that conversation before we do that, though. OK, we're going to probably have an episode here of Workplace Democracy with Tyra Robinson. And um, hey, you should be hearing ads. You know, if you notice, we don't really do ads like other people do ads. You're not going to hear stuff like from McDonald's or, um, you know, random, you know, stuff from like Discover and stuff like that. Like anything you hear us promoting here is because of a content series that we're doing or some branded partnership that we have. And so you probably um, are going to be hearing some content right now, some ads from Pfizer. Make sure you check out that series. We're really proud of the, the stories that we're telling with Pfizer. Um, please make sure you check out next week. We're going to be continuing that series. And then also early next year, we're going to be continuing. So just make sure you uh, you stay plugged in there. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll hear from you, or you rather you'll hear from me <laughs> in a little bit. Talk to you soon. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you did know Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, living corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. Welcome back to the Workplace Democracy Podcast segment brought to you by the Living Corporate Network. I'm your host, Tyra Robinson, an attorney licensed to practice in the state of Maryland. Thanks so much for tuning in again to the podcast segment that informs you about strategies to protect your rights as a professional employee. In this episode, I want to tell you all about the EEOC's new strategic plan and request for comment. The EEOC recently released a preliminary draft strategic plan and asked for public feedback on it. The strategic plan is a guiding aspect towards the EEOC's mission. And the EEOC outlined three goals in their strategic plan. The first goal was something that you would probably expect to combat and prevent employment discrimination through the strategic application of EEOC's law enforcement authority. The second, prevent employment discrimination and advance equal employment opportunities through education and outreach. Now, notably in this section, one objective in achieving this goal is to ensure members of the public are aware of employment discrimination laws and know their rights under these laws. The EEO also stated that they seek to utilize technology to educate, and they also want to encourage greater use of their website, which actually has a lot of great resources. 
The third goal in the strategic plan is for the EEOC to strive for organizational excellence through people, practices, and technology. And notably in this goal, the EEOC included a strategic objective to be a model employer themselves. Also in this section, they include in the performance measures to increase the EEOC's workforce in 2024. An increase in personnel will theoretically help complainants through increasing the EEOC's caseload capacity. To go into a little more background about the public comment and the strategic plan, the EEOC's last strategic plan was implemented for 2018 to 2022. There are currently only 30 posted comments on their draft strategic plan. And the EEOC also has a strategic enforcement plan that establishes the EEOC's substantive area priorities for its work in advancing equal opportunity and remedying discrimination in workplaces. The EEOC will also seek public comment at a later time for that document. Public comment periods are an opportunity for everyday people to engage with various government agencies and share feedback on policies, laws, and regulations that impact their everyday lives. To submit public comment on the EEO strategic plan, visit the regulations.gov link in the show notes. The deadline to do so is December 5th, and you can simply share your thoughts in a manner appropriate for the forum about what you think the EEOC should include or remove from their strategic plan is an opportunity for you to take a look at it and share your input. Thanks again for listening to Workplace Democracy, brought to you by the Living Corporate Network and myself, Ty Robinson. I hope you'll tune in every segment to learn more about how to bring democracy to your workplace. Please understand this podcast segment is only intended for educational purposes and is not a replacement for individualized legal advice. You should always seek the services of a licensed attorney who will look at the specific facts of your individual circumstance if you are contemplating legal action. Additionally, the views expressed in this podcast are my own and are not reflected by my employer. This podcast, Living Corporate, is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website. ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, you can put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more, about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
Dennis, welcome to the pod, man. How you doing? I am wonderful today, Zach. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Listen, man. Um, you're uh, you're an executive at, at Ready Set. Ready Set is a black-owned uh, DEI consulting firm, amongst other things. Uh, why why are you why are you there with your, with your white ass? Why are you there? You know, there's there's a long and short answer to that. Seeing how we're recording, <laughs> I'm going to give you the short one, and, and, and that is my uh, my wife and children are black. Yeah. So my white ass lives a, a very different <laughs> different life than your, your the majority of dudes that look like me. And uh, frankly, in, in living life alongside them, I realize how different life is. So you know, as much as I've been a recruiter for for a long time. Being able to specifically focus in diversity, equity, inclusion just makes sense. You know, it lets me be an ally and, and also do what I'm great at. Let's talk a little bit about like just like the nature of recruiting in this season, where especially when you're talking about include uh, when you talk about recruiting inclusively. Um, what do you say to orgs that like as they tighten their belts and they reduce? Uh, their people ops teams or resources or capabilities. I mean, it feels counterintuitive to me and I could, I could go into detail as to why, but I really want to understand like what's your perspective on that motion? Cause it's really common, right? It's like when times start getting hard, we cut HR, we cut DEI for sure. We, we, we cut a lot of the recruitment team, anything that, consulting anything that isn't revenue immediately revenue generating or directly tied to revenue they're the first people on the chopping block like but talk to me about like why you think that is and what advice you've given to folks as a recruitment executive on a different choice to make that's a sharp many pointed question zach i'm gonna i'm gonna take it on from a couple different different angles why I think that decision happens, why it goes down like that, is it's pretty easy to draw straight dotted lines between revenue generating, you know, finance, sales, ops, the things that, you know, keep the very simple machine flowing and the bottom line. And so I think there's a little bit of, we kind of framed it that way, when things are shrunk back, they shrink back to the very basics. Um, I have had lots of those conversations. I've had some of them recently with, you know, large company executives. I actually think there's a little bit of a difference this time around. I am not here to, to say that I think things have changed at any massive rate, but I do think that there's more of an awareness of, you know, and I could get into my definition of DEI and that take your whole podcast, but long story short, I think the boardroom has a slightly better grasp on why treating your people like the folks that they are instead of automatons makes sense. And so I agree with you, those things get cut first, but I actually have yet, and that's just me floating around out here. There's lots of cuts I'm sure I don't know about. Honestly, I haven't seen a lot of that yet, although I wouldn't be surprised if as the looming recession looms closer, that happens. You know, um, we talk a lot of I mean, there, like there's a lot of recruitment um, recruitment. Rather, is a really broad space. Um, and it's interesting when I see things like there's recruiting and then there's diversity recruiting. Um, talk to me a little bit about the like why you believe that segmentation exists. And if you believe that that's the future of this space. 
you're hitting on all the points. I just had this conversation with somebody two days ago. I actually, well, I'm going to answer your question directly. Yes, there's a segmentation. I think that folks vary. Even in companies, I see different departments for regular TA and then diversity talent acquisition or diversity recruiting. In and of itself, when you just kind of delineate it like that, I think you begin the problem that doesn't need to be there. Um, I, I think all recruiting should be inclusive. All recruiting should be centered in, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion principles. I'm the luckiest guy I know. I mean, I came into Ready Set already with the recruiting chops. I mean, I know how to find folks. I know how to how to match them to the right role. I know how to lead them to the promised land. But I now work with like the best of the best in DEI space. And I got to kind of really soak that up and suck it in. With that said, I don't think it needs to be chopped down the middle like that. Although I do think it tends to be that way. Uh, I spend a lot of time trying to erase that line. You know, if I had some sort of like magic eraser, I would I would erase the line between recruiting and diversity recruiting because all recruiting should be diverse. Can we talk a little bit about how oftentimes when it comes to diversity recruitment? Oh, let me let me let me back up. Let me back it up. So, Living Corporate back in July, way back in July, feels like uh, forever ago, right? Launched a job board, and it was part of our entire just brand relaunch, just additional resources, branding work that we're doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I, again, our job board is new. We have a couple of brands. Shout out to Doximity. Shout out to Textio. Um, we have a few brands on the board. It's been interesting that when I tell folks, hey, we're a resource for black and brown professionals and aspirational allies and part of the resource we provide is a job board they say oh uh, great we'd love to put some entry level roles on your job board and that's like the pattern I've noticed when we talk about when we combine diversity and career or diversity and job board there's this immediate assumption that your that pipeline is going to really fit in the most junior level roles. Have you seen that pattern? You ask tough questions. I like it. Yes, absolutely. I, I do. I agree with. Again, we're back to like how do I feel about it and what I've observed. Two very different things. Yeah, I think I think that that's a fair statement. Uh, for me, same thing. Like I don't pitch myself in the service that I'm offering as diversity recruiting. I'm a recruiter that happens to be able to source, you know, historically marginalized candidates, a diverse candidate pool, but I'm not a diversity recruiter. And I know that sounds like a very small difference, but I don't want to get tagged into that. Like I'm only going to bring you X, Y, Z individuals. And so I, I'm still back on broadening it and, and making it all mainstream instead of trying to make it tight like that. Because then what, to your point, folks aren't quite sure where to fit it because it feels slightly different than what they're used to. I want it to feel like what they're used to just be better done, quite frankly. Have you ever given organizations or like, cause I'm, and you're in your work, like as an executive, someone who provides like, you know, you're a, that consultative partner for our folks, talent acquisition strategy. Have you ever, like, like directly stated on the nose, hey, like that assumption that you think that all black and brown talent is entry level is racist? Those words? 
No. Or 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 something in the spirit yeah. of it. No, I think you know. You and I have a, I have a conversation before this, Zach. I, I'm you know. I heard you say aspirational allies. I'm I'm more than an aspirational ally. I am a, a force majeure. Um, I, I believe in speaking strongly about these things because people feel strongly about them. So I don't have a sound clip for you, like exactly what I've said. But yeah, I push back big time, big time. Yeah, there's like this, like I don't know, like there's like this um assumed uh, inferiority of like of historically marginalized talent. The thing is like ingrained in like uh, westernized culture. And so, I agree. right. So like, there's like this, like, there's just this challenge, right. When it comes to even how they're being represented, I mean, to that end, right. Like we're looking at you and I have this conversation in, in uh, 2022. I'm curious, like when you think about like the future of talent acquisition, um, especially as we think about Gen Z, like the, like this, the new millennial, right? Because everyone keeps a lot of people brands. Like I've seen, like a lot of think pieces still trying to talk about millennials. I'm like, bro, millennials are 40 now. Like, <laughs> like we're grown. Like we're super. We have kids. You know, I'm not 40, but I'm saying like, there's some millennials who are 40. And so, um, while at all this, all the while, really discounting or just not wrapping their arms really well around the the real um, youngest work uh, worker in the workforce, which is Gen Zers. Talk to me about like what, how you feel like talent acquisition strategy needs to, or or recruitment as an industry as a space needs to adjust to Gen Zers, if at all. I got to tell you, I've never been great at this this generation that, but I'm understanding this to be like late '90s into the 2010 range. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, quite frankly, I think that they are more natively aware of things like gender identity and the way to talk about diversity and inclusion. Um, I think the companies need to be smart about the fact that they need to talk about those things, right? I mean, not necessarily just to the Gen Zers. Companies still, for the most part, you know, tend to clam up and sit open in their mouths. And I think that there is definitely an expectation in that specific subset of employees that you're going to talk about your values. You're going to talk about how you deal with these things. And and if I were to say where I think things are going, I think that the smart companies are the ones that take it head on. You know, they, they not only do the practices, not only, you know, work the, the proper way, but they espouse it because, you know, read some articles myself that, you know, Gen Zers, they vote with their dollars, you know, when it comes to brands. I think that carries over very similar layover to their careers. You know, they make decisions not necessarily based on the paycheck and the benefits as much as do they want to be part of that org, you know? And so I think the companies, the smart companies are the ones that understand that and are direct in their communication about it. No more like, Wink, wink, nudge, nudging, you know, that between you and I, I hate the wink, wink, nudge, nudging. I get it a lot because I'm a white guy. And so, you know, I'll be talking to somebody at a company who is essentially doing the, yeah, we're going to do diversity. They don't say, but, but I understand they're not fully bought in yet. And again, I'm right after it. <laughs> you know, it's like, look, let's, let's actually understand why you're hesitating there. Uh, I, I believe there's a, there's a good place to talk when you're not willing to talk about it. That makes any sense. It does. I dig in. It does. It does. Um. Again, we talked about the fact that 
you know, you're 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 an executive at Ready Set. Um, asked like and like why why are you there? Um, what are things that you're learning about yourself as an executive working for a black on, a black woman owned firm? Uh, I recognize that you have um, black children and a black wife. Is there anything? Are there any ahas about this work, this space that you've come into? in the last six to 12 months uh, that, uh, that have helped you at all? Yes, absolutely. I don't even want to use the word my job, my, my mission, my, my a calling has been uncovered for me, and that is to use the similarity bias, the, the power that I have being who I am, to open those conversations up. Um, I, I tend to be pretty direct in general, but when I first started at the firm, I was being... I was I was over calibrating myself because I didn't quite know how to deal with it. I was that white guy, <laughs> you know. And so I have a had a lot of support. And I, again, I mean, I work at like the the lab for diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace. And so I'm a sponge for that. But I have definitely learned some lessons around the power that I have to bust down doors and open up those stigmatisms because they'll listen to me, you know, they're not immediately kind of turned off and, or, you know, cautious, they'll hear it from me. And I am definitely the first one to, uh, to be willing to talk about it, quite frankly. So if I had to clarify that down into a lesson, be bold, be brave, be willing to be corrected. The being willing to be corrected um, is interesting, right? Because I think like so often in this space, especially for force majeures, as well as aspirational allies, <laughs> there there's a certain level of allyship that exists as long as their ego isn't threatened. Sure. What does it look like for you to reject ego in this space as you just do the work that you do. I replace ego with, with an openness to learn it. For me, it's about being educated. Like I, I'm not being corrected. I'm learning, right? That's the, the switch flip in my own mind. I mean, we have all staff meetings where you know, I slip up and, and I work for some very vocal folks who are willing to, you know, they call it in, they're not calling it out, but they, Hands go up and it's like, hey, we, you know, the better way to talk about that is X, Y, Z. I'm wide open to that. You know, I, I, I guess I don't want to say that I don't have an ego. We all have one. It's intrinsic, but mine is overridden by my desire to understand and, and to be able to communicate more efficiently. And so my advice to anybody out there that's got that sticking point is it's, it's not about being wrong. It's about getting right. You know, it's about get, getting to a place where you don't have to feel funky about it. I feel so much more comfortable in my skin, even with my wife. You know, we have these amazing open conversations now because I'm not stuck. <laughs> you know, I'm not like I, I can flow, you know. And so for me, this has all been a very enriching experience. I, I put my ego to the side a long time ago and I realized I could get smart. Right. Like who doesn't want to be smart? And for Somebody, you know, I have an ego that that strokes my ego more than being defensive. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, you know, again, we're in the space where even as there's these um these tech layoffs, we're actually still seeing like companies hire. We're seeing we're we're, we're seeing growth even in this moment. Um you know, let's let's say you're in the room with a bunch of executives. They represent um they're like top Fortune 50 executives and they ask you DQ what are the top three things we need to be thinking about if we're trying to attract and retain black and brown talent? You ask me these questions that I could just range on for days. I, I'd say I'm not great at being concise. We're on the same page. I mean, my first thought is back to messaging, communication, say it. You know, don't hint at it. Don't put it in the newsletter. Drop it on the bottom right. Scroll all the way down on the web page. Throw it up in, in, in the header. You know, like, A, whose feelings are you going to hurt? And, and B, you're going to do more good than, than bad. I, I can guarantee them that. So be loud and proud, I guess, is kind of what I'm saying there. About just your willingness to... I, I have a, a client right now who is in an... Just... <laughs> dumpster fire of an industry when it comes to anything diverse. I mean, it's just very much white guys. It, it, they, I mean, it, literally, it's kind of like defined that way. But they are a black-owned organization, and they have hired Ready Set on our consulting side as well as me on the search side. And I told them, I said, look, I can bring people to your organization that you probably don't even know are out there by just being able to tell them that you are the home, you are the place that's not going to be like every other place. And so that's the sizzle, right? Like that's actually how I'm going to sell these roles is saying it straight out. Look, you're in an organization where normally you're super marginalized. There's a home for you. And so I use that as an example of why it makes sense to be vocal and to message it. I mean, consistently. So Uh, my second piece of advice it is around support. You know, it, it's it's easy to message, you know, you hire the spin doctor and the team to, to make it sound right. You do have to follow through, um, especially at the leadership level. One of the things we're doing right now in the search kind of offering is we don't just drop them off at the front door once the right candidate's been hired. We're actually offering three executive coaching sessions post-hire to make sure that they really like get in there and that their programs get underway and there's traction because specifically in like DEI leadership hires, uh, there was a stat came out end of last year. Don't quote me on this exactly. You know, I think something along the lines of three in eight executives in diversity, equity, inclusion positions fail out, frustrate out, walk away within the first 18 months because it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. They're not, you know, they're not reporting to the board. They're under HR. They don't have a head count. They haven't been supported. They've been given the title. And I think there's lots of stories out there like this. And they, I mean, they're very real stories. You know, you hire somebody and you tokenize them essentially. And you say, we, we do DEI at XYZ Corp. You need to support it. Or I actually had a conversation not too long ago. You are doing more damage than good, in my opinion, when you make all those steps and then let that person get frustrated and walk away. 
Let's not even talk about the bottom line, the business case. Let's talk about the morale hit, the gut punch that that is to your team, who you told DEI is is a priority for us. We're going to hire somebody. We're going to do it. And that person walked away. Third piece of advice. So messaging, communication, support. And I think the last one is going to be a little less defined. That management team, those executives, they need to be curious. They, they need to be willing to to learn things that maybe they either didn't know existed or never tuned into. And that's a, that's a hard thing to explain to somebody. But I think back to what we were talking about a minute ago, Zach, you got to be open-minded about it. You know, I won't lie. Before I got involved with directly with diversity, equity, inclusion, I was already married to a black woman. I already had black children, but I kind of in some way felt like enemy. You know, I was enemy number one in this world. And so why would I get involved with it? You know, I'm being super real with you here. That's just about the 100% wrong way to look at it, you know, to the point I made before. This for me is a learning experience. And I'm now like so much smoother in these conversations because I figured it out. And so I think the third one is a little more ephemeral in terms of advice. And that is just be curious, you know, hear it out. The whole white fragility thing, I think, actually does a little bit of damage because it makes white people fragile, you know, especially when you're talking to them about it. I I think, again, I'm a great resource as an ally and or force majeure because they hear that from me. You know, they don't feel like they're getting ripped into. It's like, look, I've been through the desert. I'm out the other side. I don't know. I'll be in the desert my whole life, but I, I've, I figured out how to how to live just fine in the desert. If that makes any sense, it does it does? Um, Dennis, man, we could keep going. I know. Last time we we talked forever too. We just weren't on a video. <laughs> I appreciate you being a guest on the show. Like, thank you for coming by. Uh, before I let you go, first of all, you just dropped three nuggets, but I'm gonna give you space. Any shout out you want to give? Yeah, actually, I do. I want to give a shout out to you. Oh. And I'll tell you why. And I think I may have shared this with you kind of in a smaller sense. When we were first introduced by mutual people, I went on your website. And I'm just, you know, doing the, especially with my recruiter cap on, I'm like, you know, scanning things, not really reading them, you know, top to bottom in two seconds. And it really stuck out to me that you have included and speak to me. You know, you, there's somewhere, I don't have it off the top of my head, but you, you kind of talk about the fact that the allies are welcome too. And, you know, it's a space for folks to, to, to get smart, not have to come in and be smart. And I really appreciate that. It's actually what really excited me to, to come speak to you is I don't see that as often as I would like to. You know, I think there's a very, like, this is for those folks and this is for the other folks in, in this kind of thing. And, uh, I mean, I'm not of the, whatever the hippie generation was, I don't know what they called that one, but no, it's not about having a loving as much as it's about literally all being open to just making it work. So big shout out to you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Um, well, look, man, you're welcome on the show anytime and I definitely consider you a friend. So just come by, come by whenever I just hit me up. We'll do. All right, man. Talk to you later. And we're back. Yo, again, shout out to Dennis and shout out to um, 
I'm not gonna say shout out to white people because y'all be getting shout outs too many times. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, you know what I'm saying? Y'all been getting shout outs for the past like six, seven hundred years. But I will say, shout out to the folks trying to do the right things and frankly doing more than trying, actually doing it, right? Like there's enough uh, book clubs and reading lists and thought pieces and frankly free education from black and brown people. I'm not holding y'all's hands no more. I'm talking to you white people, I'm not. You know what I'm saying? If you're in this space, need you to put your big uh, boy, girl, or they pants on uh, or whatever underclothes you'd like to wear and get to it. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is ridiculous. Now, 2023, every year, if you've noticed, Living Corporate gets a little less patient with some of the nonsense y'all be doing out here. Okay, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Every, every year, <laughs> every year, I come on here with some rant, you know what I'm saying? With no music in the background and I'm sighing and I'm talking to y'all all extra aggressive and I'm telling y'all what y'all need to be doing, what y'all need to be stopped doing. I tell y'all stop playing. You know what I mean? I, listen, it's not going to change. Next year, we're going up to another level of, uh, of passion and and radical thought regarding the liberation and um, well-being of historically oppressed folks and centering and amplifying the voices. That's not going to change. Okay, I want you to know that's not going to change. If you want to um, engage content that centers and amplifies whiteness or that caters to white sensibilities and things, I mean, you can go up and down on LinkedIn for that. You know what I mean? I, if you if you follow me on LinkedIn, you know, uh, you know, I just got done checking somebody for that. Um, you know, there are a lot of folks out there who really haven't ever really focused on race, but they are now peddling in DEI in some race focused way, even though they have no credibility in that space. Right. So like, you know, if you want to, if that's what you like, go over there. Okay. Because I'm telling you something as we continue, we're going to continue to be unapologetically centered on uh, historically marginalized voices. We're not going to let up. We're not going to relent and we're not going to apologize for that. We're not going to come on here and lie to y'all. We're not going to sugarcoat the truth. Because again, living corporate exists to have those frank conversations that you don't have everywhere else, right? Like I'm not owned by anybody. Living corporate is its own entity. So we are not beholden to say anything uh, that is not true. We, we, we're going to tell the truth over here and we're going to tell it in a way that honors the realities and experiences of historically marginalized people, historically oppressed people, historically overlooked, underserved, underengaged, undersponsored, over mentored, overworked, under-resourced people. That's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to do it. Now, look, I love you. Make sure you click the links in the show notes. Make sure you check out our series with Pfizer. Till next time, it's been Zach. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.